feminist friends and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional feminist perspective. And today, dear listeners, I have a very special guest on the podcast and I'm very excited because not only is she a great friend and a feminist, but she also wrote the music that you heard at the beginning and we'll hear at the end of this podcast. And she has her own podcast! Hello, hello, hello! Hello, Sandra! She's hey. also the resident troll of my flat when it's not COVID time. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The house yeah. troll. The house troll. She's not, she's not been trolling up her house for a oh. while. Oh. My, <laughs> my hair has just gotten, like, weirder and weirder since staying home all the time. I don't know what it does, but it feels like <laughs> gravitational forces has stopped being a thing in my life. I don't know what. It just... <laughs> It's, it's just reaching for the ceiling all the time. I'm like, how? You do have some of the most amazing hair I've ever seen. It is. I mean, I guess that's how you got the name troll. Because you come I, in, in the morning and it's just like a wild trying to escape off your head hair. You're like, oh, sound just and it's got And it's gotten worse. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> it's fine. 2020 is what's wrong with all of us. It's been... <laughs> The time. The hair is the least of my problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been great. So very exciting to have Sandra here, and she suggested that we watch The Mask of Zorro, which was a personal favourite of mine growing up, and I believe that is the same for Sandra. Oh yeah, I had the VHS tape. <laughs> wow, good times. <laughs> I only had like ten films as well, so I watched the same. <laughs> Over and over again. <laughs> what were in the other ten? Can you remember? Um, it was the Star Wars films. Oh, oh wait, like the old ones, not the new yeah, ones. Yeah, the old ones from the 1970s. Nice. I had the the hook, the oh, one with Robin Williams. Yeah, I love that film. It was my absolute favorite yeah. film. I had the Mummy. That Amazing. We already talked about. We love that film. On the pod. I can't remember the other ones. I probably had some of the dif- Disney films as well, mm. but that's the only ones that I can remember. I remember the films that we recorded from the TV on the oh, yeah. tape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back when that was a thing. And you'd have to spend hours like trying to rewind and find where the film is on this <laughs> tape. <laughs> For all the kids listening, they're not <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't think there are any kids listening. We do have a regular listener, though, called Phil, who is a delight. Oh, so he'll know what VHS is, I'm sure. So that's fine. Hello, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zorro, The Mask of, was released in 1998 and directed by Martin Campbell. And there was a lady in the background. Ooh, Ooh. very exciting. Uh, Laurie McDonald was one of the executive producers, and she also did. Sweeney Todd, I think. So yeah, she's done some oh, other films. Cool. So for the few people who haven't seen The Mask of Zorro, because it's an amazing film, surely you've all seen it. Um, <laughs> I think it's set in California, but it's set in the 1800s before America was America. So the populace of what was California at the time is Mexico, and they're owned by Spain, I believe is the historical backdrop of the film. But... <laughs> I have no idea about the history. 
of that part of the world. I was watching it like, what, what is this? They're in California, but they're all Mexican. I guess it's, yeah. It has been like a territory that was fought over by, so it was owned by, it has been owned by America, it has been owned by Mexico, it has been owned by Spain, it also has been owned by Russia, I believe. Okay, so it's unexpected. (laughs) (laughs) I might be wrong about that, but it was a territory that was like fought over. Okay, cool. Historically. So, yeah, that's the historical backdrop of the film. And then this film is about a Zorro, played by Anthony Hopkins, who becomes too old to be Zorro and teaches young Zorro, Antonio Banderas, all of his fighting ways. And they both, they both have vendettas against two different people who have killed people that they love. So they both fight together to, I guess, get revenge and also save Mexico because Zorro fights for the people of Mexico or California, which may or may not have been a part of Mexico at the time. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) The people of California, yes. The Californians. So this is a very swashbuckling action-based film, which is why I loved it as a kid, because anything with swords, I was like, yes, I'm here for that. A bow and arrow would have improved it for me. story bro i loved robin hood but i didn't know s- s- what was it s- swash swashbuckling swashbuckler? yeah i didn't know that was a genre yeah <laughs> they're basically like sword fighty films you can love tell it. i can't fight with my weird wrist movements trying to <laughs> <laughs> love it. so at this part of the podcast we like to just just you know say what characters that we have to discuss about Um, Unfortunately, there are not many women in this film. (laughs) And, shockingly, for a film that features people who are of Mexican heritage, there aren't many Mexican people, actors anyway, in this film either. Um, Antonio Banderas is Spanish, so at least his accent is his accent. He's not putting on a Spanish accent. Catherine Zeta-Jones is Welsh, (laughs) so she is putting on a Mexican accent. And Anthony Hopkins, I think, is British. He's also Welsh. Oh, yes. Yeah. That makes sense. It's so... very funny, though, because why does Catherine Zeta-Jones have an accent? It makes no sense. Well, okay, so Catherine Zeta-Jones plays Elena, who is basically the only person we have to talk about in this film. <laughs> <laughs> Both Sandra and I were like, this film will be great to discuss. And then we watched him and we're like, oh, Okay. Um, There's no actual women in the film. No. no. Or really any intersectional characters. But she grew up in Spain, so I guess she would have a Spanish accent, which I don't know how what? different Spanish and Mexican accents sound because I'm English and her, ignorant. Her adoptive father, though, or the guy who mm. like stole her away from Sorrow or Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. he doesn't have an accent yeah that's a good point i had not thought about that maybe they were like okay catherine we need you to be really sexy in this film and everyone knows that spanish accent is sexy (laughs) (laughs) and it will make you seem more exotic and exciting i just also realized when i saw it now that i thought that catherine cedar jones was a spanish actress when Mm. i was little 
and that's why she had the or I thought that's why she had the accent mm. but now I'm like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make sense why have they hired this Welsh woman to play a Mexican Californian Spanish woman it's so strange along with Elena there is another female character Esperanza de la Vega who mm-hmm. is actually played by a Mexican actress however I think she talks. She's in the film for like a minute. She plays Anthony Hopkins' wife. He's actually called Diego, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, she plays Diego's wife. She gets killed very early on by Raphael. And then the other characters who aren't white. um, We have Nanny, who is Mexican. She is in the film for about five minutes total and does not have a proper name. She's just Nanny. Um, There is... I mean, that's about it. There's there's Don Pedro, Don Julio, Stupid Soldier, as he's named on IMDb. The guy who plays Antonio's or Alejandro's brother in the film, he gets killed early on. And also there is a black Zorro in the prison scene who's like, I'm Zorro! Oh, yeah. So there aren't really any intersectional characters for us to talk about. Like, they're no. all yeah. tiny parts and I was like, well, I guess maybe there will still be some intersectional characters to discuss because it's set, like, there should be a lot of Mexican actors in it, surely. But no. Like, no. <laughs> Don Rafael, he's, I think he's yeah. English or American. He's not, like, Latinx, so. No. Um, I, would, I would think not, but do I know for sure? No, I didn't. I, didn't. I Googled it. <laughs> Oh, you Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> I always Google ahead of time, so I'm like, I don't know. Good, good thinking. Yeah, I do. I do kind of regret <laughs> suggesting that film. When I watched it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, because I, no, I think one of the things I want to do with the podcast is look at all these films that as a kid I absolutely loved mm-hmm. and to see, like, because some of them, like The Mummy, some of the characters turn out to be really cool and mm. some of them, like this film. <laughs> Less so. Yeah. But that's okay. It's a shame because I don't know how big like Salma Hayek and Penelope Cruz were and other like Mexican Spanish actresses were in 1998, but... I would say quite big. I really like Salma Hayek. I just feel like it's not the end of the world that they have a Welsh actress in the film, but I feel like it wouldn't have been hard to have had an actress who, if not was Mexican, was Spanish, like Antonio Banderas's. Um, I, ju- I just don't understand why she has a fake ac- accent, but her real dad <laughs> and the other dad doesn't. Imagine like, if they just understand. just kept her Welsh accent. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so good. I did feel, though, that there might be some kind of good thing redeeming quality of the film if we mentioned that the guy who plays uh, Alejandro or Antonio Bedera's character mm. in the film is based on a historical character and when I say historical that's in air quotes because with all things in history more or less you can't 100% prove anything but mm. I think I briefly saw something about that isn't is he the brother of a real life bandit like the name of like Alejandro 
Mo- Marita? Joaquin Marita is a real character. And with mm. real, that's in air quotes because they can't prove that he actually existed. But he was a big character in like Californian folklore. Okay. He was like a real life Robin Hood or maybe mm. not real life. It's not entirely accurate but he was described as a Robin Hood like he would steal money and and give it to the poor and was Mm. like a people's champion in in some ways so he didn't have a brother in real life but in the movie they put him as as the brother of this character Mm. who actually was jarred for real really yeah they killed him and jarred the soldier guy that's in the film captain love yeah he's also based on a real person who might have the exact same name i'm not sure he jarred this uh people's champion or bandit or whatever you want to call him for real oh wow so what you're saying is that zorro is a documentary That's exactly what I want you to take away from this conversation. Oh, totally real. <laughs> that is really cool, though. I mean, have you seen the original one? No, I have not. I had no, no idea until today that there was an original film. Zorro has been like a fictional character for a very long time. I had the comic books and, and I think the first, I think one of the films might have come out in the 60s. I'm not sure. But... Mm. It's on Prime. For anyone who wants to watch the sixties one, it's on Prime. Cool. I might, because I'm curious now to see what that one would be like and whether it's better than this one, and yeah. whether there's more than one female character for. There actually might be because <laughs> good. Lord. Mm. Oh, interestingly enough, though. Oh God, now I'm gonna sound like the worst feminist here. <laughs> Is this the Bechdel test? Yes. Because I do always confuse the Bechdel test with Becquerel, which is a scientist. (laughs) It's not the same. Sorry. It does actually pass it. The only scene, more or less, with female characters in the film is when the nanny talks to Elena and they talk about her mother. And I was like, oh. Yeah. I almost fell off the sofa in shock. I was like, oh my God, wait, they weren't talking about a man. And that's two women having a chat about the mum. The only potential snag is that that woman is called the nanny. And I don't know whether she would have to be an actual named character because presumably her name is not Nanny. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know if that, because she's not given an actual name, whether that is a problem or not, I don't know. It might be a problem, yeah. It's funny, though, that you say that her name shouldn't, can't be Nanny, because <laughs> my grandmother's name was actually Nana or Nana. Really? Yeah. That's her name amazing. was Nana. <laughs> not in Swedish, like not grandmother in Swedish, but Nana, so it's grandmother in English. <laughs> So, shall we briefly discuss Esperanza? Yeah. There's not a lot to discuss. She's... <laughs> <laughs> Again. I mean, we only see her for a very short time. 
but she's portrayed as being, I guess it's quite stereotypical. There's a line where Diego says to her, we'll grow old with our five children. And I was like, whoa, whoa there. That's, that's a lot of kids. And for you to be assuming she's happy to just be popping those out. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, um, that's Amish levels of kids. Yeah. Nobody Five children. And then when Raphael turns up, he says to her, I'm sorry that I couldn't make you love me. Yeah. Which I thought was a bit intense. Oh, it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's real bad. It reminded me, I recently rewatched the Iron Man movies and reminded me when mm. in Iron Man 3, the... Oh, yeah. Killian Aldridge or Aldridge Killian or whatever his name is he says like oh I was so close to making her perfect and that's also he's talking about Pepper Mm. and that's also like it's the same kind of stuff because he was also like a character who had asked Pepper Pot out several Mm -hmm. times and she kept rejecting him and then he still feels like that's a thing that they have like a relationship it's not a relationship like that's harassment (laughs) yeah a similar thing happens in Sweeney Todd as well where Adam Rickman's character is in love with Sweeney Todd's wife Mm -hmm. and gets Sweeney Todd arrested and sends him away from his family and then rapes the mother and kidnaps the daughter and raises her as his own God, I do not remember this happening in Sweeney Todd. (laughs) Quite dark. But in Sweeney Todd, Alan Rickman clearly has designs on, not when she's a girl, but when she gets to like 16 and is in air quotes of age. Oh yeah. He is like perving on her and is clearly interested in her. And thankfully, don't quite get that from Dom Raphael, but he feels very much like Elena is his property and that it should have been his child. Oh yeah, he d- he so... does say that explicitly as well. He says that she should have been mine or yeah. something like that. Not like the daughter as well. She should have had my child. I don't remember what it was, but mm. we should have just... written that down. Shit! <laughs> no, I'm regretting not taking notes. <laughs> it's so. Oh, it just makes my skin crawl because I mean. When Esperanza gets shot, she is shot trying, I guess, trying to protect Zorro. She's basically helpless and not of any use in that scene. But she runs in front of a gun to protect Zorro and gets shot. And then Raphael kills the person who shot her and is obviously like, oh, I didn't want her to die. It's not helpless, though. She does sacrifice her life for another character. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I mean, she's not in it for long enough, really, for us to see if she because like later on in the film Diego is talking to Elena and he sort of says like oh your mother was very wild and just like you and I guess not being with Don Raphael and going with Diego who is Zorro and a rebel is I guess quite wild but we didn't get to see as much of that from her because she's killed too early on um, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to tell. I would say that it could be seen as a willing sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Not that it was, but it could have been that. But then I also would like to say, which is probably not at all according to theme here, but that is the fucking worst traumatic kiss I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> but between um, Esperanza and Diego. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was I don't so remember bad. what it was like. 
it was so bad i think it's probably because like in the old movies they were all like that and it kind of has that old-timey feel in mm. a way you like ah swoosh face in your face like <laughs> but it's so bad oh god it seems to happen a bit in films that men who are being portrayed as the bad guys will say to the female character like you should have been mine why couldn't you love me and it's always yeah. so creepy because it's like she doesn't she gets a choice obviously in who yeah. she loves and get over it man it's Jesus. the incel culture people love like blaming women for that like oh the the origin of this villain is mm. being rejected by a woman whether it be the romantic interest or the mother and that is just a false narrative yeah but it is very like it's mirrored in uh, popular culture a lot yeah that kind of stuff about like oh every bad man has been slighted by a woman mm. that's why he's a bad man which is a bit mm. oh god this film is more problematic <laughs> than i was yeah. expecting it's unfortunate as well because like it's not unrealistic as well that they're like there have i'm sure i've not experienced it personally but i'm sure there have been men who have been pissed off that i actually know I have kind of experienced that because when you're in nightclubs and a guy comes up to you and you're like, oh no, I'm not interested. And you might pretend that you're here with your girlfriend and then they're like, oh, make out then, prove it to me. Like, can't you just accept that I said no? I don't want to yeah, dance yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so. Rejection is a, is a part of every human life. I don't know what you mean. I've never been rejected by anyone. <laughs> Certainly not the housemate that I've lived with for three years. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lise, top of Lee's head, that you have to hear this. Shall we briefly talk about the first scene where Alejandro and Elena meet for the first time? He's wearing a mask, so she's not aware of who he is. But even though he's clearly some kind of bandit, I mean, he's about to steal one of their horses... Mm -hmm. and he appears in the courtyard she is very taken by him mm -hmm. and then later she goes to confession and through some series of events she's actually confessing to Alejandro but doesn't know it and she says I tried to behave properly but I'm afraid my heart is too wild I have had impure thoughts about a man I felt warm feverish lustful <laughs> I was like, from a man looking at you and telling you to watch out, there are dangerous men around. It wow. feels like when a person who is maybe 12 years old decides that I'm going to write my own porn. That's <laughs> what it feels like it was. But also, <laughs> but also eight-year-old me didn't seem to have a problem with it. <laughs> Did you write this film? Is this you? <laughs> Could have been, maybe. It just like, felt, it felt a bit, like, over the top. But, I mean, this, I guess this happens in all films, like, love at first sight type thing. And I know she's mm. not saying she loved him. She's like, oh, like, I had lustful thoughts, so I have sinned. It was sex. <laughs> I wanted the sex. <laughs> but it seems to be a common theme throughout this film that she's wild and, like, yeah. feisty. And I feel like... I don't know whether that's a stereotype of Spanish women in general, that they're fiery 
and wild yeah. and uncontrollable. I might like be making is, that up. I have some friends who are of Spanish heritage and like they are wild and fiery. No, and most sexual. of them <laughs> <laughs> No, most of them are like half Spanish, half Swedish or whatever. And they get that stereotype projected on them a lot oh, of okay. times like the the fact that if they choose to stand up for themselves people tell them that they have a fiery temper because of their heritage yeah. which is not correct i did say whilst we were watching the film i was like antonia banderas is very attractive oh yeah 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 well his hair and his little moustache and goatee this is gonna sound horrible but i think i've never seen an anthony hopkins that attractive (gasps) oh my god earlier i also said anthony hopkins was very attractive in this film as well (laughs) but i think that might be because as adults he's only been older and older so Mm. nowadays i would never think of him as that because like i've seen him most recently in westworld or thor Mm. and he's like a super old man and I can't remember him being anything other than old. Mm. And then I saw him in this film and I'm like, that old. But also very inappropriate because he's like, they've tanned him and you can see his white line in his hairline. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> I really liked the scene between him and Elena because it felt very sweet and it was interesting that Raphael had described Elena's mother as being quite proper mm-hmm. and well behaved. And Diego's like, uh, she wasn't like that. But that's again like the project the projection mm. she has of him or of her mm. as like a person is not who she is. Like it's a it's an ideal or a dream or like yeah. And I think she says like, oh, I think he he is in like Raphael wishes I was a lot more like my mother because I'm too uncontrollable. And I was just like, oh, Elena, just just be you. It's fine. Ignore mm. your stupid dad. There's also um in the kind of dinner table scene during Raphael's party where Alejandro makes his appearance as like the Don Alejandro. Mm-hmm. She I thought she held her own quite well in that dinner scene until Raphael basically tells her to shut up and then says like, oh a woman's grasp of politics. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but before that she was doing quite well of being quite opinionated and sharing those opinions around. That's the point, isn't it, of the scene yeah. to make you feel that way about like feel bad for Lena because she is the smarter and the more heroic character than her than Don Raphael like Mm. it's it's the point that we are supposed to feel that about her being silenced Mm. in that scene but I would also like to say I was shocked seeing it now about how bad the dialogue is Mm. and (laughs) I would say that Catherine Cedar-Jones actually does a very good job trying to save that dialogue Mm. because a lot of the like lines that she has are so bad yeah but she kind of does a good job portraying the emotions and anthony hopkins almost 
starting to cry when they talked about like him losing his daughter is mm. it's surprisingly good for a surprisingly bad film <laughs> yeah I agree I think she did as well as she possibly could have done given I think it's such a shame that she's not given more uh, we'll talk a bit more later about her fighting scenes there's a lot yeah. to be said about that yeah but it's a shame because I guess throughout the majority of the film she's such a beautiful woman like in mm-hmm. Chicago I have the hots for her so bad mm. um and she's I just think she just clearly have a crush on Catherine <laughs> Zeta-Jones. I just think she's a stunning woman. And throughout the film, she's wearing all of these gorgeous dresses. And in that um, scene... Oh, yeah, the costumes are great. And then at that dinner scene, I think she's wearing like a red dress and got red lipstick on. Her hair always seems to be down throughout most of it as well. And like mm-hmm. her lips are really heavily blushed. And she almost looked doll-like in this kind of feminine portrayal i don't think i had feelings for her at this point (laughs) but in entrapment have you seen entrapment Mm -mm. lordy lord (laughs) i had many many feelings about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah in chicago when she's doing all that jazz and the cell block tango i'm just like whoo yeah yeah uh, but she is she has a tendency to be sexualized in the films that she's in she's in which is a bit sad but i don't know like i also feel like she probably had some say in what movies she wanted to be in yeah it'd be interesting to know because i guess maybe for some actresses they're like oh i feel like i should take this because it's a big film and it'll be good for me. I don't know. She is sexual. I mean, Chicago is a film I really want to do on the podcast. She is sexualized in that. But I mm. think that's kind of the point of the film is that they're all portrayed as very sexual, but equally as dangerous and mm. deadly. Maybe that's what she wanted this character to be like as well, because they try to do the whole, well, she's capable, she can fight thing. And I did notice that one of the first things they say about her character when she is a baby is that, oh, she's so strong. She's strong like her dad. But that is not something people usually say about girls. Mm in films that's such a good point or like just in real life normally they'd be like oh she's so beautiful yeah that's so true i didn't pick up on her mum being like oh she's so strong because didn't she like rip through something or she she broke her rattle or something like that and she was like oh she's strong like her dad which is like her dad definitely problematic but in this case her dad is sorrow so i'm gonna let it slide yeah We'll give her that one, I guess. Um, (laughs) The other scene where she's shown as quite sexual is the dancing scene between her and Alejandro. And he is obviously using her at that point because he needs to get her dad to invite him up to this private meeting. So he's like, oh, I know. If we dance sexy, the dad will be like, what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's, I don't know what type of dance it is, but it's shown as being very passionate. And then at the end... Alejandro says to Raphael, like, oh, is that how they dance in Milan now? Your daughter is a very spirited dancer. Basically just being like, oh my God, that was so inappropriate of you daughter to behave like that. And Raphael says, thank you for putting it so delicately. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, was she that crazy? I mean, 
it looks like an intense dance, but I didn't feel like they were having sex on the dance floor. Well, they, in in 18, it's supposed to be like 1821 mm. or something like that. Probably in that time, yes. She was basically pregnant after that dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% sure what dance it is because I thought it would be, before watching it, I thought it was tango. Mm. because I haven't seen it for like 10 years I was like well it's probably tango or more than 10 years saw it again and I was like that's not tango is it I know I'm not sure fuck all about dancing so it just seemed he was very passionate very passionate oh very he was passionate. so vigorous daddy he was so oh my vigorous he said it she <sighs> says it after they have okay so they have a meeting in the where they accidentally meet mm. in the stables oh my and gosh. they have a sword fight because she's like, give back the thing you stole from my dad. And Antonio Baderas is like, no, obviously not. <laughs> and then she was like, I'll fight you for it. And then he's like, oh, you can't fight me, little girl. She's like, yes, I can. I've actually been sword fighting since I was four years old. Great, perfect reenactment of that scene. <laughs> I should have written the dialogue, obviously. I actually have written the dialogue down, if you like. <laughs> um, yeah, so he says to her, I, I don't have the time to give you the proper instruction. And she's like, I've had the proper instruction since I was four years old. And then I'm assuming she assumes the sword fighting position. I don't know. <laughs> That she's is holding a sword and is kind of like almost lunging and bracing herself oh, yeah. for the fight. Oh, yeah. And and she is a good fighter. Like considering that he's been taught by Zoro, she does hold her own and does really well. But this whole oh god, this whole scene. <laughs> I remember rewatching this film maybe last year. I think I was that Lee and I were dating, mm-hmm. and I, I saw it on Netflix and was so excited because I hadn't seen it since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I remember this scene coming up, and I was just like oh my god, why did they put this? Like, I mean, okay, so having Elena fight Alejandro, fine. I am more than happy for her to be sword fighting, that's really cool. Mm. What then follows in this sword fight? Yeah. Not cool. Not okay I think I, when I first saw it, I was like, like now again, because I did see it when I was little, but mm. when I first saw it now, I was like, oh, that's good. Making them fight each other, it's, it's good in a way like that is uh, cool I guess when you're eight years old and it comes mm. out and you're like cool mm-hmm. I thought at the time but then now looking back on it I'm like oh god what is happening no I don't think that he like when he he does okay spoiler alert again he swishes his sword like <laughs> and then her dress just because this is the worst and he's like she's like i might scream and he's like oh i usually have that (laughs) women usually have that reaction to me and i'm like oh god that's so bad that's worse (laughs) i'm like oh no (laughs) 
it just gets worse. <laughs> it's so awful. I mean, before she's even naked, every time they kind of come together, he like forces a kiss onto her. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's it's oh yeah, that's bad as well. <laughs> and then like he cuts a slit in her dress, and then he like cuts part of the the strap so that it's like her her boob is almost showing. And then yeah, he he manages to get her sword from her and just cuts her dress away and she's just left standing with her boobs out but her long hair is covering them and she's just in I guess like night trousers I don't know she was in like her night clothes which apparently involves a corset it looked like she had some weird corset on yeah and Um, some pantaloons no not pantaloons what is it called like bloomers oh maybe bloomers yeah so she's just stood in a pair of bloomers and Yeah. yeah When oh, I first, like, oh he first called, cut the dress off, I was like, wait a minute, what's going to happen now? <laughs> and then I was like, oh my god, her dress is going to go- fall off. And then for a second, I was like, oh my god, am I going to see Captain <laughs> 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 You got all of excited and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this film has taken a turn and I like it. I was so shocked and also a bit intrigued. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't, but you know. It's just, it's so, it feels like such a cheap scene, particularly when it's like her moment. She gets to fight yeah. this yeah. bandit who is like broken into their home and yeah. it just becomes like foreplay for them essentially. They're just mm. passionately battling and. I also felt like it was a bit, I guess the whole thing is set in a romance novel by that woman who plays the lead character in Romancing the Stone. What? What did she just say? The adventure film from the 80s, Romancing the Stone, isn't that what it's called? I've never heard of that before. That film's awesome. Oh, Lee knows what it is. Oh, when I was little, I was like, haha, this is funny. It's not that funny. But Mm -hmm. now... She, the lead character, writes romance novels, and the mm. first scene in that movie is a scene from her one of her romance novels. And this whole film feels like it's a scene from a romance, like a body mm. bodice ripper. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> romance film, <laughs> but it's not that sexy. Yeah, but I guess like romance novels. Aren't. I don't no. remember it being that sexual, the comic book. I don't know if I remember the film being that sexy. I mean, I guess yeah. it's meant to be a funny moment because haha, she stood there half naked and I think it's played as being funny. I think. Yeah, when her dad comes in, it's supposed to be embarrassing and stuff when she's like, oh, he was so vigorous. Oh, 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 yeah. was, oh daddy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> vigorous. <laughs> So, like, can you imagine, like, your dad being like, are you okay? What was he like? And she says, young and vigorous. <laughs> I, I can't. And then she repeats it as well. She's like, yeah. so vigorous. Oh, he was oh. so vigorous. Oh, God. I think it is. I think it is a little bit funny, to be fair. A bit yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. But I was hoping when she first disarmed him in the stables, mm. I was like, oh god this could be good but when it first happened i was like yeah go alina fencing lessons 
since she was four must have been better than a week's training by Sara. No, apparently not. Well, <laughs> fuck you then. <laughs> yeah, she's... I, I thought it was quite interesting that Raphael, I'm assuming he was like, oh, you're going to have sword lessons. I, I mean, I guess she could have just, I mean, she was only four, so would she have gone off to do it by herself? But I was surprised because I would have thought his view would be women don't fight. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting. But I, oh. maybe they're trying to be like, she's just like her mother, wild and yeah. free. Makes a better movie that way. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, nice that she got a moment, but it was kind of taken away when she ended up naked. Yeah, and also very inappropriate. Like, you don't, you don't cut someone's clothes off just, like, randomly. Yeah. Meeting them for, what, the second time, third time? Be like, ah, I'm going to take your dress off with a knife. No. <laughs> There's a lot of that in the film where, like, I think Diego is using his whip to snuff out candles and then mm-hmm. he uses it to cut Alejandro's mask in half and cut off his cape. Mantle, yeah. Like, the cape, oh, yeah. It's, is it even possible to do that with a whip without cutting the person? Like, what the I would he say just... no. That's I would crazy. go out on the limb here and say, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Bit unrealistic. It might be, yeah. it might be. They cut a lot of people's clothes off. <laughs> it's film, <laughs> it turns out. Yeah, well, at least they did it to Alec. Alejandro as well yeah. although maybe that's why he, where he got the idea no I feel like oh I don't know <laughs> part of me is also like but we didn't get to see Alejandro topless so no yeah although he did have his top off when they did the um, push-ups oh yes yeah yeah Over the wasn't that impressive and I'm like oh this is quite realistic actually <laughs> Oh man, that whole working out scene is. I just love. I still love this film. I'm sorry. I still love this film. (laughs) Just the scene at the beginning just feels so cheesy, where they're all like cheering for Zorro, and they were like, "Woo!" Zorro saves three people from getting killed. Na 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 na. -na 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 -na. (laughs) Weirdly, when I was a kid, there was a children's TV show. (laughs) <laughs> where um, I think they were all like mice or something about that mm-hmm. um, and this mouse was essentially meant to be Zorro but I think he was called El Nombro or El Nombre something like that okay. and his role was to help children when they had maths problems that needed solving <laughs> and he would swing in <laughs> as El Nombre and help them solve their maths problem and then he would swing out after saving the day and I loved El Nombre as a child. Subtraction! <laughs> also as a child who struggled with maths, I was like, please help me! <laughs> oh god. <sighs> I don't know if we had that in Sweden. I certainly hope not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I only vaguely remember it, so it must have been very young. <sighs> I guess this film came out when I was uh, six. Yeah, I was eight. Mm. It's easier for me because I'm born in 1990, so I can just... 1998. Oh, I was eight. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier for me if I were capable with math. <laughs> As Sandra would have seen, I just counted that on my fingers from 92. <laughs> because 
Maths is not my strong I still don't know one of my birthdays or how old I am. So March the 9th. Yeah. Oh yes. my god. You know, Impressive. It's the yeah. day after International Women's Day. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I did calculate it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we discuss the final scene where they're at the mines and dastardly Raphael and Captain Love are about to blow up the mines along with all of the people who have worked at the mines? Yeah, but- I think Captain Love is like, let's get rid of all of the evidence. And he was like, what about the workers? He was like, them too. And he was like, all I right. Said, all of the evidence. Would <laughs> <laughs> that the actual line? Yeah, I think so. Oh, God, they have to pay more for better dialogue, people. Shit. Yeah, again, like, Elaine, so Diego goes to the house to confront Raphael and to, he says to, like, I'm taking my daughter back or something like that. And I was like, maybe you should just have a chat with her and explain who you are and just let her make her own decisions about well, what does. she wants to do. But he's yeah. saying, I can't lose her again. I think that's what he says, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Elena previously had a scene with the nanny in the market where the nanny's like oh you're the daughter of Esperanza de la Vega (laughs) and so during the scene where Elena finds out that Diego's her father she hears that he's Diego de la Vega and basically figures it out and believes him and because she believes that he's her father she sets him free from jail because Raphael imprisons him (laughs) and then they both rush to save this mine so she frees him they go to save the mine and so there's a fight between Raphael and Diego where Elena actually rushes in to save Raphael similar to her mother trying to save Diego mm-hmm. and she's like I can't remember whether she says like he's my father or something but I think she's just like please don't kill him so Diego, she says no <laughs> my father please don't she's just no I'm not sure but then she tries to save Diego as well so mm-hmm. I'm not I can't remember, but Raphael then grabs hold of her and puts a gun to her head in an attempt to get Diego to put the gun down. And then, yeah, Raphael, like, aims at Diego and she manages to, like, push the gun so that it misses Diego. I yeah, think it yeah. misses him. It he... hits him, but, like, in the, uh, okay. in the side. Yeah. Because, spoiler alert, Diego dies at the end and having just watched the film, I don't know why he dies. Like, he was on the floor, and both Alejandro yeah. and Elena were, like, with him. And I was like, wait, when did he get fatally wounded? I, I was think not it's when attention. he's shot, and then when he's first shot, obviously this is film, so it's not realistic, but he gets shot in the side. She mm. pushes, pushes the way, away the gun, so it, like, hits him a little bit, and then he bleeds out, I think, mm. is the plan of the thing but then this last scene I had to rewatch like three times because I can't remember how sorrow gets or like Antonio but the new sorrow in there mm. Alejandro yeah Alejandro gets to the mines oh yeah I, I can't remember either I think all I remember is he's on a horse and he beats up loads of soldiers yeah. who are chasing yeah. him that's the last thing I remember as well and yeah. then uh, and then he's at the mines. And I was like, what the fuck did I miss? Like, what did I do? <laughs> I don't remember. But he gets to the mines. And when Elena is running 
to free the people that are going to be blown up because mm. that's what happens. Spoiler alert again. They try to <laughs> blow the people, the workers up because they want to get rid of the, air quotes, evidence. All and, of the evidence. Yeah. And she runs to free them because they're locked in and they're going to be blown up by TNT or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever kind of shit they had in the 1820s. <laughs> I don't know. It was the roaring 20s, yeah. <laughs> so she runs to free them. And I felt like at that point, I felt like, oh, God, she might have a moment. She mm. might get there. She might free them. And she's the hero of the whole film. Because what does actually Antonio Banderas do? Not that much. He steals a horse. But does he, like, fight for the people? Not really. Mm. He hasn't actually done anything at Mm. that point. Except for, like, a bit of espionage. So I'm like, okay, okay. She might be the whole, like, the hero of the film. Mm-hmm. Here's to hoping for some kind of moment here for the females. <laughs> na 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 na. She gets two of them off. And then Antonio comes or Alejandro comes and he's like, fuck you, Elena. I'm going to take the gun from your actual hand. Look at you for two minutes. Waste all this time. And then hit off the lock with one hit mm-hmm. because I am the stronger male and I'm like no yeah also Diego actually says to her go and free the people which yeah. really annoyed me because I was like you you didn't need to have him say to her like you could have just had the shot where she is on the ground and sees the people and gets up yeah. and rushes to save them so like, you don't need to have him telling her because I'm sure she would have figured out by herself, oh, I should set those people free yeah, yeah. and rescue them. Yeah, that would have well, been a better better decision if they did that. It would have been. And also, it's such a small change. It doesn't change the plot at all. It's just a tiny change that gives her more of a moment to have a thought for herself and mm-hmm. then take action rather yeah. than... We had a similar thing in Gremlins last week where the female character only does things because she's told to by the male character Mm -hmm. and again it could have been changed quite easily without it changing the plot and giving that character more agency yeah Um, yeah yeah and she manages to shoot two of the locks and then Alejandro comes to the rescue and she's like okay you got this bye yeah yeah it 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 doesn't make sense it feels like she could have had that but then also as I said the new sorrow wouldn't have actually done mm. anything. Yeah, I was when they arrived at the mine scene and the the dynamite. I'm assuming it is like the trail of it has been lit, and hmm. everyone's riding off. And then the Alejandro fuse. appears. The fuse, yeah. yeah, the fuse has been lit. And I was assuming Alejandro would go and stop the fuse because if that's left burning, those people are going to die. I mean, they're probably all going to die if they're standing around like Alejandro and whatnot. But instead, he like goes up to Raphael and and in a way, he gets the fuse stopped because Captain Love notices that the gold is no longer moving up to Raphael and he stops the fuse because he's like, oh, I thought we were all leaving and we're not. But when I was watching it, I was like, should that not have been his first concern? To be like, right, I'll get this fuse stopped, then I'll go and deal with the bad guys, because 
He yeah. had no way of knowing that someone else was maybe, gonna deal with that. I think maybe he's getting shot at and that's the problem, but I, I Well, do... that's very reasonable of you, Sandra. Yes, he was getting <laughs> shot at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have to rewatch it three times because I don't understand what's happening at that point because I'm mm-hmm. like, how did he find his way to the mines? Last time I saw him, he was <laughs> being followed by the whole cavalry of people that he managed to mm. hit with which I found quite impressive because of the because of the way that they handle horses. But mm. I'm guessing it's a stunt man who actually knows his way around horses. But I'm like, how did he get there for, to the mines? What happens at the mines? I don't understand why he's in like a windmill all mm. of a sudden. Like what what <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And I, I think that if he had gone to the people first, he would have been a sympathetic character. Mm. But he doesn't, and I don't really understand how he gets up in the whole spinning wheel of things. No. So I'm not sure. So the, the final, final scene of the film is Alejandro and Elena together with their baby, like mirroring Diego and Esperanza and their baby, Elena. But before Mm -hmm. that, when Diego dies, there is a moment where he has Elena's hand and he passes it into Alejandro's (laughs) hand. And I was like, this feels very patriarchal. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Although it's, I guess it's the same as actually asking a father for the daughter's hand in marriage, which Mm. is crazy, but it still happens all over the place. Like, I guess some people would think, oh, that's really sweet. He's obviously given permission to Raphael that you could be with my daughter, but it's also like no one should need permission from the father. To, no, no. I, as watching it now, I was like, what the fuck kind of shit is this? He's not <laughs> property. You're not like signing over your house. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, there is a moment, I think, in the dinner table scene where she says to. Alejandro, I think she says something like, so what do gentlemen do? And he's like, we make lots of money so we can look after pretty ladies like you or something. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I guess in that time, because women weren't allowed, at least like upper class women weren't allowed to work and own property and have their own money. I guess mm-hmm. they literally would have to be looked after by yeah, yeah. a man. So I guess it makes more, because when I was watching it, I was like, you, like, can't she just do her own thing? Well, but, no. Yes, maybe like, not. That's why Jane Austen's books are all about like marriage, mm. because that's what—that's the only thing they actually were allowed to do. Which is sad because it feels like because she clearly does care about like the people of California and um wants the best for them, and it feels yeah, like yeah, does she though? Because she <laughs> had to get told to free the people from the cages. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she says it at one point, but you're right. She had to be told, like, go save people. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can be useful. Yeah. So it's too bad. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have anything else to talk about in regards to the one character in this film that we had to talk about? Um, Not really. I would say, like, that it was shockingly bad looking back on it like <laughs> in in regards to females in the mm. film 
But then I would also say that this is one of the few stories of cultural experiences that weren't mine that I actually got an insight in mm. as a child before mm -hmm. puberty. So I guess that like, it, well, obviously counting in like some of the Disney films like Pocahontas and stuff like that. Oh, but that is famously historically accurate as well. Yeah, I know it's not, <laughs> but she was an actual person. Yes, yeah. So I, I would say like, I'm not opposed to it looking back on it because I feel like well it was a was a an insight in a cultural experience that isn't mine so for me it's it's incredible that a film about that period of time and that cultural experience mm. got that much publicity so I'm mm. not opposed to it yeah that's true and actually after watching it I do feel motivated to do some research about like the history because like also Lee and I were talking about how there aren't any Native American people in this film even though they're in California and I was saying but I think maybe the Mexican people were they were in Mexico before the Spanish arrived and took over but I don't know if that's mm -hmm. true because I know like was it Aztecs in Mexico so this is why I need to research it's it oh, oh god it's there's Incas and Act Aztecs and Mayans. Mm. I'm not on hundred percent sure no. where they are, but nowadays the natives are genetically mixed with the mm. Portuguese and the Spanish. Mm. Like historically, it's it's so long ago that they are mixed in now in the quote unquote native genealogy yeah even though they weren't native to mm. south america because it did make me want to learn more about the history of mexico and about like the formation of california and it's surprising so a lot of the films we've watched hasn't made me think oh, i don't know anything about this i should research mm. this and learn some more um, it's, it's not california specifically but yeah. the south american native history is one of the most incredible like exciting things there mm. are in like our world history i still can't get over the fact of how incredibly specific they were about like the the star alignments and the movements of space it's incredible it's i know i'm a history nerd so I'm, now i'm like oh my god it's a it's a <laughs> Shall we rate the film? Because I oh, suspect. God, yes. So we're going to rate out of five the female mm -hmm. representation in this film. Mm -hmm. And I personally feel like a one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that. I wouldn't say a zero because Elena is in a helpless character. Yeah. Like she does do things, although the fighting scene is marred by her being naked at the end of it. Yeah. She does still fight. She does have opinions and clearly has her own mind. Yeah. Um, and she is the only one who actually does anything. Yeah. For the, the California people, except mm. for Anthony Hopkins in the first scene. So, yeah, I think a one's fair. <laughs> and then the <laughs> <laughs> that little laugh. It was <laughs> well, and just you know, the intersectional characters. Given we haven't really discussed any, I think a zero 
is fair because yeah there were actual Mexican actors in the film but none of them had any big part or even that small they were just extras essentially in the yeah. film and although it- wait I would say maybe a one because it could shine a light into an actual hero of the people yeah does it do it well though or no no (laughs) well (laughs) no well i would say that i would probably not have known about him Mm. if it wasn't for this movie yeah i guess it brought it to cultural awareness because it is like a hollywood movie yeah and i would say that it was quite famous when it came out probably because i saw it you know antonio banderas was i think quite and anthony hopkins was a like, big Zeta actress Jones, i guess yeah yeah that too like i think they were like big actresses and actors and stuff mm. so okay so let's give it a one so yeah. that means overall zoro scores two out of ten <laughs> <laughs> Which is not great, sorry. That's very poor. Or should we give it another point because... No! It deserved those two points. <laughs> Stupid film. But I mean, like, how often was that a thing in the 1990s? Well, probably not very, but I guess part of the podcast is to basically show not just that there are some really cool female characters, but also, like, how far film still has to go yeah, and how no, I mean, like in the in the cultural representation yeah i but, still feel like two out of three is more than fair yeah yeah it doesn't yeah. mean like to be fair if someone was like oh do you think i should watch this film i wouldn't say no it's appalling it's really offensive i'd probably say like if you like sword fighting stuff then yeah it's fun it's a fun film yeah. But it, isn't it like one of the very few westerns that isn't about like a horrible misrepresentation of the American colonization of America of North yeah, America? Possibly, and it's not like cowboys and Indians either. No, um, so, which yeah. I think is. But I might be wrong. I might be skewed because looking back on it. I'm like, how often did that happen at that time? And I would say probably not that often, but maybe it did. Yeah, I think two is fine. And, you know, for anyone who's listening who is Mexican or of Mexican heritage or knows a lot about like the history of that time period and their geographical location, because I still Mm -hmm. don't understand, let us know. Because I I agree with what Sandra is saying, that it is like a swashbuckly sword fighting film that also is like a western but not that cowboy indians in air quotes style thing mm. where basically you're just watching natives being slaughtered and yeah and they misrepresented like they did the whole like popular culture brainwashing in america for so long mm. about the history of their country that for me it felt like oh this is something else but yeah. looking back on it now, it might not have been. It might just have been the only movie that reached like my bubble or my culture that I mm. saw about it. I, I think know. it is interesting that the people who are shown as being the bad guys are the Spanish. Yeah. The Mexican people and like the, the people who are fighting for 
the Mexican people or like the people of California, they're they're not shown as being bad people. Whereas I actually haven't seen many Western films, but I'm assuming it's more the Native Americans who are shown as being the bad ones or the savages. Or... Well, yeah, they there are, but they're also like shown as uncivilized. But there yeah. also are like American like bad guys or outlaws mm. in the films that are in. I've seen a lot of Western. I don't know why the fuck they have, but <laughs> it's it is a brainwashing of the whole culture like Americans still don't know what they've done yeah historically mm-hmm. so yeah the mask is Argus 2 out of 10 <laughs> but before we go do you want to have a little chat about your podcast Midweek Murders which Leah and I are regular oh, listeners to oh I have a I have a podcast with our friend Joe who has a degree in forensic science and we talk about true crime that's kind of it wait we were actually like a comedy podcast i guess but yeah it's not that funny <laughs> i mean i find it very funny and i keep running I when think. i listen to it i keep running into joe's room and being like i can't believe you said this blah 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 this really <laughs> so much and he just looks at me and is like okay what did I, do? <laughs> like, I don't remember recording this fine no no he has no <laughs> idea what's out there <laughs> He's, he's got no one. Like, where was one episode where I can't remember the names of the people, but someone dropped a bag off at their friends and was like, Can you look after this bag? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's the stepsister murder. Yes. And I remember that. Joe was like, I wouldn't let a friend do that. I would look in that bag. And I rushed in and was like, I can't believe you wouldn't trust me to drop something <laughs> off at your house. I just took it at face value. I was like, Of course not. I would look in the bag. <laughs> He was like, well, yeah, if you're leaving a mysterious bag with me and you won't tell me what it is. I was like, well, I guess if it was mysterious. But I was like, I trusted you. That's my friend. (laughs) I would say that the newest episode might not be new when this comes out, but not Lieutenant Colonel Neville Heath Mm -hmm. is the funniest one we had in a while. And that's Don't say in a while, they're all funny. But... <laughs> not true. But, but I did laugh a lot when I edited it. I don't know what <laughs> happened. I think I might ha- have had a meltdown and, and Joe was... <laughs> Joe had just given up on that at that point. I don't know what happened, but it was very like funny. It is a fun podcast because you guys have a really great relationship. So it's funny just listening oh, to you, you guys chat about murders and stuff. So we will have Sandra back on because I'm sure you'd agree she is a delight. Um, <laughs> we will pick a film with more than one woman in it next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, feminist friends. If you have any opinions on this film, then please join us in the chats on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Real Feminism at R E L. And in two weeks' time, we will be back in your ears where we'll be discussing Legally Blondes, which I am very excited about because she might be a secret feminist icon for women. Who knows? (laughs) We'll find out. Thank you very much to Sandra for joining me today. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And we will see you in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye.